What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Keeping It 1000 podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNBR whenever you sign up. I'm Adam Mades, and I'm joined by the star of today's show. You guys know him as the future Hall of Fame coach and former head coach of the uh, Denver Nuggets. It's George Carl. Coach, how are you on this rainy Wednesday? Well, I'm anxious. Uh, I think the sun's coming out tomorrow for a long time. So I know. I'm about the weather. Uh, you know, I like rainy days. It reminds me of my time in Seattle, and uh, <laughs> this is a Seattle day. There's no question. It's a Seattle day. I love it, too, man, and I'm with you. I looked ahead at the weather report, and I see 90 degrees for the first time, and I think, my God, I, I enjoy this cold day. Like I put a coat on today. I was like, this feels nice to put a coat back on. I know I'm going to be missing these days for months here coming up soon. Um, also missing the Denver Nuggets. You were teasing me as we came on if I was done crying. Uh, it took a weekend to cry it off and, uh, here we are, but no, the Nuggets obviously went down to the Warriors in five games and today's show. I want to talk about that series and kind of get coaches perspective on all of that. I also want to talk about the off season and where the Nuggets go from here. We just had our exit interview with Michael Malone this morning. Um, very focused. I felt like it was a tone setting weird, weird thing to say, but I felt like Michael Malone more so than usual was trying to set a tone for it. Guys. Right now is the time. There's no wiggle room. It's right now. We got to go all in as an organization. Everything has to be geared towards next year being our year. Uh, we're going to talk about how the Nuggets can take advantage of that. And then I want to ask specifically, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Austin Rivers, Monte Morris, all these guys, do you bring them back? Do you listen to to people as they pitch uh, you know, trade scenarios? Or do you even make calls saying, hey, here's a guy. We're going to go through all that. But first, Coach, the Nuggets lost in five games to the Golden State Warriors. Blown out in the first two, nail biters in games three, four, and five. What did you make? What is your takeaway from the series? And what was sort of your thoughts on how that series went? Well, losing the first two games, the way they lost them, dug a hole mentally and emotionally and physically. That's very, very difficult to come over. Not only did they lose, they lost poorly, playing poorly and with no rhythm, no flow, no defense, no offense. You took nothing home with you. And then when they got home, they played pretty well. And Golden State wins game three. You got to talk a little bit about the execution in game three at the end of the game. But, you know, after getting losing those two games the way they did, they didn't have that that toughness, that mental connectedness. I don't even know if that's a word. But the connection wasn't there. And then in game four, they do win it. They do win a close game. And then game five, I don't know. They just ran out of gas. They were close. But in a lot of ways, they weren't even close, you know? Really? Uh, you know, it's just... You they know, were, hold, hold up. I want to stop you there. You don't think they were close in game five? Because I actually, there was, during that game, there was no part where I thought Denver didn't have a shot. I thought all the way into the final... 20 seconds of that game, Denver had a shot. Uh, I agree with that. They took it longer than they normally do. Um, I, I, it's a difference about winning a game or winning that game. Um, it was a slow and sloppy game. It was a kind of an un-celebratory. Spect- mm. There's not a lot of spectacular in the game. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that... I, for a team to go back 
go back to Golden State down 3-1 and play with the pride they played with, I agree with. I didn't know if they had enough things going the right way to win that game. And as I, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about Jokic has to do so much. And uh, I don't know. They, they just didn't, they didn't have a personality, in my opinion, to win that game. Was there someone or something that disappointed you about how the Nuggets performed in this? Was there something that really bothered you? You know, I think what bothers me about the whole season and the playoffs was we are we were too experimental oriented and excuse oriented. Every day I heard an excuse why they're not good enough. Every day I heard another experimental thought going on. And uh, you know, we just sounded like we were new to a new kid on the block rather than a team that has had two or three or four years of being on the same block and they brag about it, but then they don't perform up to it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I had a all year long, I think the NBA has been so experimental with all the young players and new players and and everybody kind of having good time playing well and then playing bad and 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 then justifying it with excuses and rationalizations you've mentioned that a few times there's some of this that i think is interesting we'll get to a segment a little bit later talking about the exit interview today where i think there's there's i could meet you sort of halfway on this because i do think that the nuggets if you gave them truth serum did they believe that they were competing last year and this year did they make moves to do that or did they kind of um were they okay with these years being non-contention years, excuse years, so that they could go all in? I think that was their thing, but we'll get to that maybe here in a little bit. I want to ask, though, as sort of setting up again the parameters for this series that just happened with the Nuggets and Warriors, was there anybody that impressed you from it? Like anybody from the Nuggets that you thought, wow, that was an impressive series from them? The guy that jumps in front of me are Alan Gordon um, and, and uh, Monte. Okay. Those would be the two guys I thought stepped up and said, I can play on this stage anytime, anywhere, any year. Um, I mean, Monte is an interesting cat. You know, he's, in, he's a guy that was a, be a bench player, but had to be a starter and then played very well in many cases. But did he play well enough to give him a starting role? Does he want a starting role? Does he want his own team? You know, I don't know. I mean, if I was advising him, I think this is the best place for him. Uh, but maybe he does want to move on and try to be a starter on an NBA team. Uh, the one thing that sticks in my mind about the whole season was, you know, the whole thing about not having a point guard always, always bothers me. Uh, you don't think Monte is a point guard, though? I mean, we've talked about this before a little bit. He's a solid backup point guard. Okay, okay, there you go. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't see as well as I want him to see. He doesn't create as much as I want him to see. And, uh, you know, with the, with the personality of the team, Jokic has the ball um, as, high, as much as anybody, and that's the way it should be. 
but there should be games where other people have that responsibility and we didn't explore that very much this year yeah what i mean i'm surprised you you because you mentioned or you did not mention Jokic, who i thought had especially games three four and five were some of the in my opinion the most impressive basketball i've seen is it because you just feel he's a default like he always plays well or do you feel like he did not have a good series i thought he had a good solid a good series um i mean he's the he's the he has too much responsibility he's too much of the rock he's too much of the foundation yeah and when he doesn't play well they don't have a chance um i'm not sure is that that's the foundation you want to live with and then in game three four and five he played solid to good to maybe great at times down stretch he would he got a little bit of his confidence back um but you know i think fans gotta understand that i mean i know we all say Jokic is going to spend the rest of his career in denver I hope that's true. I want that to be true. But sometimes his body language doesn't tell me it's true. He, after this, in his exit interview, he was asked, like, would you sign an extension this summer? And the Nuggets are going to offer him one. And he said, if they present it to me, of course I will. And then he went on to say, I love the organization. I love the coaches. I love the front office. I love the owners. Every part of it. To me, that means more than any speculation. I agree. I, look, there's plenty of things we can sit here and criticize the organization about. When a player comes out and says that so unprovoked, he wasn't asked what you think of the organization. He wasn't asked, do you want to spend your career here? He said those things unprovoked. I hear that and I go, I'm with you. That I, If I were him, maybe there would be a few questions I have here or there. He seems to have none, though. What, is the, what does that mean to you, knowing that he not just said he wants to sign a five-year extension, but that he loves the organization. I honestly think he has a love for Denver and maybe the organization, maybe the, everything he says. I don't, Jokic doesn't look like the guy that that plays games. He tells it, he tells it how it is and is real and truthful. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, if this is what, you know, he's going to get probably the MVP again this year. And as someone said, it's the first time an MVP has not gotten out of the first round in a long time. Um, he's going to take some hits here sooner or later. There's going to be more of the responsibility is going to be on him. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, the team, the organization is always going to be a part of that. But I don't know. I, I just I don't trust always the system of the NBA. Uh, all these guys sometimes saying they might want to play with each other. Yeah. Um, Draymond Green is a very well-respected person in the NBA. I mean, he's fans, obviously, he's very polarizing, but I think everybody understands he's part of a dynasty with his Warriors team. He's very good. When he gave Jokic, I mean, I assume you saw his comments after the game twice, actually three times, once on the court, in the on-the-court interview, once at the podium, in the podium interview, and then again on his podcast, went out of his way to praise Jokic and talk about what a great player he was. Said he thanked him for going against him. It was a joy to get to go against him. What do you make of that? Because we've seen guys compliment competitors before, but I just felt like that was the most a player has gone out of their way to sort of compliment a guy. What do you make of that? Well, I think, I think uh, 
Uh, I think Green is one of these guys that likes no-nonsense basketball. He yeah. likes real yeah. tough nose, you know, man-to-man, tough, tough, tough defense basketball. That's what he lives by. Uh, he's a Michigan State guy, no-nonsense. You know, they, he's been the leader of the Golden State Warriors no-nonsense mentality, even though they did a little crazy yeah. at times. And I, I just think he's the... I think Jokic and him, in a lot of ways, are are unique. I mean, Green is definitely unique, and Jokic is definitely unique. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, unique in different ways, but definitely unique. And and I think in in a way, when they battled each other, uh, in the way they did, I think sometimes Green won, sometimes Jokic won, and I think over five games, you gain the respect of that of that comp that competitive mentality but also respecting the equality of good player versus good player all right i as you were talking this is not on the docket but i'm adding it to our list here we're going to talk about this you always i'm not i don't grow up in college basketball i have no college basketball opinions because I, I i didn't know anybody that played college basketball i didn't have i didn't follow it <laughs> i am not connected to it you bring it up all the time. Oh, that's a Duke guy. That's a Carolina guy. That's a Michigan State guy. To define as a defining trait of Draymond, he's a Michigan State guy. And I see it. You're right. No nonsense, toughness. Like, you know, that's their trait. Let's go through some of these and you tell me like what the the, the if, if I say North Carolina, what does it mean that he's a North Carolina guy? What does that mean? I would say winning and team. The team is comes first, will always come first. And the program believes in winning. Uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't like having bad years. It doesn't have many bad years. And you know, they're a little bit like the Broncos from a standpoint. Their goal every year is to win a championship. And sometimes they get there, sometimes they don't. But I think more than anything, Carolina has a, a tradition of team and family and. I uh, love, love the school, love the program, support the program. Um, the, Tar, the Tar Heel family is real. All right, let's get – I want you to get spicy here, George. I want the unfiltered, honest one here. Kentucky. What is – if I say that's a Kentucky guy, what does it mean? One and done. Looking for how much money you can make. Uh, I'm going there for the glory and the spotlight. Um, Hollywood. Wow. Okay. They're a little bit of maybe a Lakers-esque almost if you, if there was an NBA equivalent. Um, you said Michigan State. Is there anything, I mean, toughness, that's what I would think of. They're just tough. They're just tough. You got tough guys there. You know, they have a program based upon defense and rebounding. Um, they, they've, they've gotten a little better being more versatile, adding more creative players. But I mean, they're they're basically old school. Old school, yeah. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I think old school Detroit, uh, defensive minded, and uh, and I, I like how I like how they play. I, I I like I like Michigan State players. Kansas. Kansas is one of the more unique teams. I, I think Bill Self does not get the credit he deserves. Uh, what they've done over a long, long period of time is similar to North Carolina, finishing first or second in the conference, 
for you know like 25 years yeah um <clears throat> i don't know if i have a grip on what i like about them is they 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 their personalities changes but the results don't change sometimes right. it's big guys sometimes it's guards okay. sometimes it's wings like carolina was more a big guy a big a big man type of program and kansas i think has different faces comes in different forms duke aloof arrogant <laughs> uh blue-blooded all right we're, we're we're better than everybody else oh a little okay elitist a little elitist, elitist. uh <laughs> and intellectually looking look down on us you know <laughs> you're not worthy of our our existence uh gonzaga um smarter than smarter and ahead of the curve in the last decade okay i think i love gonzaga i love their program innovative maybe innovative but with simplicity they don't come they don't make it complicated they figured it they figured out the ncaa system probably over the last decade and maybe a little bit more better than anybody in the ncaa I like that. They, Is there any? They got Mark Few there who could go anywhere in America and doesn't want to go anywhere except Gonzaga. I like this idea of, and I think it's true in some cases, like we were talking about with Michigan State, where it doesn't matter necessarily who the coach is. You can go across decades, eras, and there's a through line. Georgetown might have a little bit of this, although they've fallen off you know, in recent, recent, in recent years, but where you can say there is an identity and they've had that identity from different teams, different coaches, different decades, different eras. And, and there's a through line there. I don't know, like I could ask you UCLA, but that was, they had an identity at one point they lost, they had a new identity at another point and lost that. I don't know if there's a through line from John Wooden to, to current team there. I, I just, I think that's one that's evolved quite a bit. I think UCLA is searching. I yeah. think I think the coach that's got there now, Cronlin, Kron, uh, I think he's not a good. I like what they are now. Yeah. They've become a little more tough-minded and defensive-minded over the. I mean, for a lot of time in pro basketball, we. I'm not saying this is realistic, but California players seem to be a little softer and a little freer and a little crazier, a little weirder uh but i think that's changing a little bit yeah all right let's get back to nuggets i thought that'd be a, a fun little site and it was i enjoy hearing your both your um veiled critiques of certain programs <laughs> as, well, as well as your sort of compliments there um we're gonna play a game here kale let's play a little true or false coach a little true or false i'm gonna give you uh i'm gonna give you some mm -hmm. statements you're gonna tell me whether you agree or not the Golden State Warriors, number one. Golden State Warriors are a top three team in the NBA. Top three contender in the NBA. I'm going to say true. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And I wasn't there. I wasn't there before the series. You know, their last 40 games, they weren't that impressive. But I think they, they've gained my respect. 
Uh, their defense is a little inconsistent. Yep. But when it's on the table, they're pretty good. And they like, like in game five, what I saw was NBA defense at the end of the game. And that's why they beat. Uh, Denver did not play NBA defense like Golden State played defense in the last five minutes of that game. The urgency, the intensity, the demand, uh, you know, the lack of mistakes and just the, the demand, the detail. Um, and I, I saw the first two games in Memphis. You know, Memphis is a pretty good basketball team. And Golden State could have walked out of there with two wins. But they also could have walked out of there with two losses. Right. So I think it'll be really interesting how Memphis reacts when they go back to San Francisco. Right. I, Gary Payton is a big loss for them. And for the reason you're saying is like a team like Boston has 10 great defenders. They've got so many different guys that could defend. I think Golden State has a handful of them. They have defensive lineups. They have offensive lineups. But Gary Payton was part of their defensive lineup. Like when they need to get stops, he would be on the court. Taking him out for maybe the rest of the playoffs, I don't know that they have five guys that can make a defense that reaches the level that Phoenix reaches and that Boston reaches. And Milwaukee at times as well. I shouldn't take them out of this. And I, Gary Payton, when they had him, I thought that they did have it. So I'm the reason I said three and not four is because you got Phoenix, you got Boston, you got Milwaukee, and you got Golden State. To me, those are the best teams. Then you got Miami. Those are the best teams. Top three, it's tough. I, I don't know. They're on the border for that for me. Um, here's, a, here's a perspective I have. I have a feeling you're going to disagree with this. The Warriors did not play their death lineup with Jordan Poole and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They did not play that lineup until game one of the Nuggets Warrior series. And I think part of this series comes down to nobody had a scout on them. Denver did not have a scout on them. They got knocked knocked out in games one or two, unprepared for that lineup or, or what have you. Jordan Poole played great. Once they adjusted, they played them a lot more easier. And now teams have a scout on them and know exactly kind of where the, those are. I think that, as much as almost anything, framed the way the series unfolded. Denver ended up playing a team they had never seen before, and it took them three games basically to adjust. Hmm. Uh, True or false here? <laughs> I would say I definitely say it's false, other than it's true. <laughs> it's what they did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they did that on purpose or I I just don't think they did it on purpose. They know that they had it there. And I think uh a Steve Kerr, a Phil Jackson disciple. They know that that's their best defensive lineup. I mean, Green playing center is their best team. Right. And and then having four dynamic scorers on the court. I mean, of the four guys they play with Green, you have four guys that have gotten 40. And they do yeah. that on any given night. Right, yep. And they can hit seven threes on any given night. I mean, Wiggins is the weak link, and he was an all-star this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me, you know, you know, you don't always want to play your best hand all the time. 
Well, they couldn't. They had injuries. That The reason they didn't play it wasn't because they didn't want to. It's because they never were healthy at the same time until game one. Well, you can say that about how many teams in the NBA? 29? 28? I would not say I that mean, there's NBA five best players. Their name to the experimental league. Let's mess around with the 82-game schedule. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of, okay, this is a stretch. We're going to play this guy we've never played before. We're going to play him 25 minutes. I mean, the rhythm of experiments that the amount of teams that were experimenting during the year that were supposed to be really good. I, I, I've never seen that many before. Mm-hmm. And Golden State, I think, can do it a little bit too. And don't get me wrong, Greg Popovich is the guy that's brought this yeah. to the NBA. True. So, you know, we can't say it's not successful. Right. But, you know, I, I kind of like, that's why I think right now Phoenix is the better team in the league. For a better phrase, they've done it old school. They have a better, they won more games on the road than anybody in a long, long time. They beat you playing a lot of different ways. Yep. Um, and they have they have a versatile, creative offensive team and a versatile, creative defensive team. Yeah. And my next one for you here, the Nuggets did not develop good defensive habits all season, and you cannot flip a switch once the playoffs begin. True or false? True. Basketball is a game of habits. And not only at the defensive end, it's a game of habits at the offensive end of the court also. And... Most teams in the NBA have flaws. And over an NBA season, you usually try to develop scenarios and schemes that protect your weaknesses. And you try to play to your strengths. And again, the NBA, this year, Denver, they won a few games with their defense, but not very many. Yeah. You watch teams like Boston and Phoenix, and obviously a handful. Miami is another one of us. They never have guys that screw up a switch, or guys that fail to rotate. Like they might get beat, they might rotate improperly, but they don't have guys that completely just don't see it. In Denver, you know, three or four times a game, you'd be like, "Hell, man, two guys went with Curry, nobody went with Clay, went to the basket for a layup," and you think those are the habits where are you locked in all year? And by the time you get to the playoffs. You might get beat, but you're not getting beat because you don't know what you're supposed to do. And Denver, to me, that was one of the storylines of the season is they did not. I thought they were very good defensively in games four and five. Like they had come compared to where they were in game one and two. They came a long way, but they started from the absolute bottom in terms of execution. And you just can't make up that ground in in a series. Um, Here's a good one for you. Aaron Gordon showed toughness in this series. I think Draymond Green tested him as hard as anybody could. He jawed at him nonstop. He talked trash. Clay Thompson talked trash. Draymond Green talked trash to Michael Malone about Aaron Gordon. He was testing him. Did AG respond properly? I would say true. Yeah. I liked what he did. I didn't think he got crazy. And Draymond can can drive you crazy. And uh, I think... uh, I mean, having having a, a tougher-minded mentality. I think everybody in Denver wants that. Yeah, I think every I think every coach wants that. Every player wants that because uh, you know it just uh, it's never been a team of 
of physicality. It's been a team of finesse and skills and and explosive offensive abilities. Yeah. Let me ask you, I got two more, and they're both Jokic questions. True or false? Jokic solved Draymond Green by the end of the series. He solved him. And if these two teams meet in the playoffs next year, Jokic will dominate that matchup even more than he did this year. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily true or false. I hope it's true because I think Jokic is an evolving player. But I think, I hope it's also false that Jokic doesn't have to do as much as he's done in the next couple of years. There's someone out there, Jamal Murray or somebody, that's going to take the spotlight every once in a while and, and take, take the team to a win. Um, so, you know, uh, Draymond is always going to be Draymond. And Jokic is, is in is a stage of his career that he's probably not going to go down very much. Right. But I think it's, uh, you know, there might be a scheme out there. I haven't seen it in three years that gives Jokic problems. But I'm guaranteeing you they're, they're, they're out there trying to figure it out. Last one for you, true or false, this will be the best regular season of Jokic's career, the one that just happened. Well, again, I, the, the reason I'd answer, I hope so, because I, I want more responsibility yeah. to share the greatness of this, uh, the possibility of this team. You're wearing them out is what I'm, I feel. Yeah. I don't know how you feel, but I think we're wearing them out, even though he says he's not being worn out. But, you know, as much as, you say Malone says this is the year we gotta be in. I think they should have been saying that, saying that about three years ago. Because basically the roster has been the same, except for Gordon. And so, what's the difference now than three years ago? Well, their two max players are hurt. I would argue they went to the conference finals two years ago and then lost their their running mate. So Adam, Adam, they went to the conference finals where. <laughs> in the bubble. Everybody was in the bubble. Adam, Adam. They, everybody was in the Adam, bubble. Anybody was that, have, was that the same field. playoffs that we are seeing now? Um, What do you mean? The home and away swings. Oh. The home court of the... the yeah, but that, but that swings both ways to me. It doesn't matter. We don't have to relitigate it. My point is... I, you can argue that the Nuggets have punted on these two years, which I think they have. I mean, honestly, I think the Nuggets punted on last year and this year when Murray went down, and you can argue that was not the case. But saying that the team wasn't moving up every single year prior to those injuries, I, I just don't I, – I, I stopped before there. I think the team was getting closer, was approaching, was getting closer. And, you know, we'll see what happens now. We'll, the nice thing about this debate, George, is we're going to find out next year because I think the Nuggets are going to bring back the team they envision being the best version they could put together. And we'll see how, just exactly how close it is. Let's move on, though, because we are halfway through the show and I wanted to kind of get on to the offseason uh, in the second half of the show. But first, we'll take a break to uh, thank our sponsor and tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? You can use single-game parlays. Create your own parlay, combining multiple bets, uh, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds. 
And then there you have a bigger payout. The more you add, I see people online sometimes doing like 15 leg parlays. I think that's a little crazy, but hey, sometimes you get a 15 leg parlay, you bet $1 and you win like $500 off of it. So um, low risk, high reward. Right now, all customers can place a single game parlay at three or more legs and get a free bet back up to uh, $25 in one leg if it doesn't hit. I think that's a cool bet. So you bet a single ga uh, game parlay, and if you miss it, you just get your money back. That's a great deal. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code DNBR. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Back here, segment two now uh, with George Carl, keeping it 1,000 podcast. Don't forget, you guys watching this, uh, you guys are watching this show uh, live. We also have it, or on YouTube, we also have this as a podcast at the Keeping It 1,000 podcast. It also appears on the Truth Plus Media podcast, uh, which is the George Carl's podcast. So you can pick it up either place. Let's get in now to the offseason. Um, here's a big question I have for you. Last year... The Denver Nuggets had the sixth best offense in the NBA. This is with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. This year without those guys, they had the sixth best offense. How can they have the same ranking on offense without their two best players? And is that, should you be encouraged by that? Hey, if those guys are back, you probably have the number one offense. Or is there something too like, hey, maybe you don't need as much offensive firepower. They've got that part solved. Which way do you lean on that? I wouldn't worry about the offense. I would worry about the, the connection of team and and roles and responsibilities and the defense. Um, I think this what it says to me is they're good offensively. And Jokic is probably going to make them good offensively again next year. Just the way he demands the game to be played. Good ball movement, good, good passing, good decision-making, good shooting. They have good offensive skills. And, you know, I mean, is, is Porter Jr. a better shooter than they got? Probably. No question. But are you going to be better defensively when you have them on the court? Right. Probably not. Uh, you know, uh, they, they had they had guys that filled in very well and had good moments. But do you feel comfortable with any of that other than, you know, I mean, I, I think everybody's got bones, and uh, you know that, that he's going to be a starter next year. I don't know uh, about that. I think that's a potential mistake in my part. Uh, I, I, you know, the two things I think that come to mind immediately for me is they need a point guard and they need veteran leadership. Yeah. And they need they need someone that will help Jokic feel good about life. <laughs> What does that mean? So you're you're talking about a, a point guard is the guy that makes him feel good about life because it gets him easy, makes his job easier. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing comes down to is making the job easier for your best players. Mm. I mean, and and I I don't think he is annoyed, other than I think he wants to win bigger than he's winning right now. So we're going to talk about this more in the next hour, not you and I, me and my colleagues with the DNVR Nuggets, but I, I teased it, so I'm going to bring it up. Today, we had an exit interview with Calvin Booth, the GM, and, and Michael Malone, uh, obviously the head coach. 
And I thought Michael Malone was very deliberate in his presser today, setting a tone of next year we feel like is our chance to win a championship. And it starts now. And he talked about there's guys in the in the gym working out right now, including, I was surprised, Jeff Green, who I just excused. I assume veteran players, season's over. They get to vacation right away. They've been doing this a long time. But Jeff Green apparently working out at the facility. And he kids, talked about- Kids are in school. What the hell? That's true. Actually, that's a great point. <laughs> you solved the case. You cracked the code there. Um, but this is... Um, I thought that Michael Malone was trying to really set a different narrative. Because I agree with you. I, you you say excuses. I think Denver viewed these as growing years. Like let's give some of these other guys opportunity, but they were not serious about winning a championship this year. I don't think you could look at the roster and say they were serious about winning a title with the guys that were available, waiting for their guys to get back. But I felt like Michael Malone has had today a narrative shift that was the first time of a this is a serious season we have, and everything we do has to be very serious. Is it too early? to start trying to change a narrative like that. And is there times when you say, hey, we know that this upcoming year is the one. We've got to start doing it. How do you start to set that tone, and is it, is it too early? Um, I mean, I'm, I understand what you're saying. I don't, think it's, I, I don't think it's too early to set it. I think it might be too early to be really intense into it. I mean, setting the purpose and the game plan and the, and the, I mean, I, I think it's cool that you start talking about it. But to me, it's after the last two or three years, actions are going to be much more important to me than the words coming out of the front office. Right. Well, I almost felt like that's who he was talking to and about. Also, his coaching staff, like, hey, us as coaches, like, we start now. The offseason is our chance to really figure out where we can grow and get this team ready. But I think also, and we'll tie again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this just now, but I felt like there was a message to the front office of, hey, no more, we'll see if this works, we'll see if this works. This is, now it's time that every player has a purpose, every move we make has a very specific purpose for this season. And I just thought it was a shift, a shift in mentality from what we saw this year, which was a little bit more of a, lackadaisical and has now it has evolved into this like very focused thing so i just i thought it was interesting when you watch teams like the phoenix suns walk into an arena you can see that they have a personality to them this year that was different than what they had two years ago especially where you say that's a team that knows they're here for a reason and they have a schedule and that they're never lost sight of the goal at hand and i think denver i think mike to me my read on today was michael malone saying hey that's us now Every time we step in this building, it's a work trip and we're trying to do work things and it is a different personality than what they've had. Um, what type of talent do they need? You mentioned you mentioned a point guard, okay? You mentioned veterans. But what kind of veterans? Like what is it that they're doing? What is the skill set that you're adding to this roster? Well, how about a defensive stopper to go along with Gordon? I mean, at, maybe at what spot? Uh, in the backcourt would be prefer, preferable. Yeah. You know, a 6'5 guy that can cover one through four. Uh, instead of Gordon covering down, having a little guy cover up. An Iguodala type guy. Yeah. Uh, um, I think toughness is a word we talked a little bit about. More physicality. 
more into a game of, you know, if it gets to be a defensive-minded game, that we can win that one. Um, shooting is a little I'm, – I'm always leery of their shooting. They have nights where they shoot the hell out of it, and then a nights that doesn't look like it's going to go in. Does Murray and Porter help that? Meaning, like, does that make a significant difference? Yeah. I think Murray will help everybody. Uh, Porter, I think, might piss off everybody, but Murray, Murray will help everybody. They're stuck with him. Oh, you said that. I didn't say that. I've they said are. That, You're stuck. I, hey, man, I, I, I'm not hiding anything. They gave him a contract. He had a third back surgery. They're stuck with him. It's five years, $170 million for a guy with three back surgeries. They, they're two years away from trading him at the earliest, in my opinion. Well, the NBA is rumblings. He might never play again. You, I mean, look, you just never know. Nobody knows the answer to that. He doesn't think that, but I, don't, I understand why people would suspect that. It's very reasonable to suspect that. I'm just saying, I mean, I heard that a couple times when I was running around the world uh, that, you know, there's a possibility you might never play. I, I just want to counter George. I have not heard that, and, and, and the team is certainly not positioning themselves that way. If it were the case that he had to medically retire, it would change Denver's salary cap situation. So, it would very it, much so. <laughs> in some ways, it might be the best thing if that were to happen. The best thing is for him to just turn out. For him, personally, I never want to root for a player to have to medically retire. That's a, that's a horrible thing. But there is a scenario, obviously, where he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. This goes on for five years, and you just don't know what to do. If he's out like that, like you're suggesting, Denver, there are ways that Denver is protected, albeit they priced off to pay a lot of money. Um, here's a fun one for you, and I asked this one of Calvin Booth today. How many young players is too many next year? And when I say young players, let's say three years experience or less. On a 15-man roster, how many of those guys should Denver have on their roster next year? Uh, less than five. Okay, that's more than I thought you were going to say. I would probably like it less than four, maybe Two guys to send down to where their G League is. And, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't think you want them on. I don't think you want potential on your team. You want to have performance on your team. The the question you're going to run into. So you have Bones Highland. You have Zeke Naji. You have Davon Reed, who I think will be back. Those are three guys with less than three years of experience. And I think for me personally, I'm okay with that. Those guys, Bones Highland's going to play. Zeke Naji's going to play. Davon Reed, maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. It's okay for me. Adam, all three of those guys can be replaced tomorrow. Well, here's the thing. They can be replaced. They all are very cheap. Denver is going to have the most expensive, second most expensive roster next year. And this was the answer Calvin Booth gave was, look, you could probably love to have all veterans, but the nature of this business is we have a lot of money on five players. You got to find guys that don't make a lot of money. And some of those guys are going to be rookies or rookie scale contract guys some of those are going to be veteran minimum guys but i just i wonder if denver can afford to build out a roster on just veteran minimum contracts i don't think they're going to be able to do that why not there are a lot of veteran veteran guys out there that make a minimum well, there, there's your answer. So those three guys I just mentioned, Davon, Zeke, and Bones, if they're all in the rotation next year, uh, can they realistically win a championship? A 10-man rotation. They're probably all bench players, all three of them. 
I would say no. Okay. Interesting. Um, all right, we're going to play a little game here. This is Porter Jr. is in that category too. Yeah, you're right. He kind of is actually from a. I mean, you, you can't give yeah. him three years of basketball. Experience. <laughs> it's three years and like, yeah, a hundred games. Um, let's play a game here. Uh, do you hang up the phone? Somebody calls about, about him. Do you listen or do you preemptively make a call to try to swap that player out of your lineup? Okay. So you got three options. You hang up the phone, you listen to what they have to say, or you actually pick it up and make a phone call on him. Aaron Gordon, you hanging up the phone if somebody calls and says, Hey, what will you take for him? Are you listening to offers? Or are you actually calling people saying, Hey, what would it, what would you give us for him? Um, I might hang up the phone. I might not talk. I might, I might keep Aaron Gordon. I always tell you, there are guys that you put in a box that they're in the box. Yeah. And Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and Murray would probably be the three guys I'd probably yeah. put in the box right now. Michael Porter, nobody's answering the phone. They're hanging up the phone for you. So he, you got to put him in there whether you want to or not. You just, there's no other way to get rid of him. Are you sure that's true? I mean, the, the Denver might look. Every year we say there's a guy that you can't trade. No, no, no. Adam, you're saying he's. If I, I try to trade him, and I put a first round draft pick with Porter Jr. Yeah, but I don't think that gets you anything. And I, I bring back a player that's maybe got a bad contract somewhere else. I see. So I lose in everything I do other than I get a player back. You might be able to trade Michael Porter for John Wall then. This is like the example of a play. John Wall has a terrible contract. He hasn't played much, although allegedly he's healthy. But it might be better because it's like two years of a max. And also he can play. He's a veteran. He's played. Maybe maybe it's a move like that, unpalatable as it might be. Maybe it's a Russell Westbrook who, again, doesn't have much left on his contract. But it's it's not a good one. So. Um, maybe Denver does who, that. Who, who signs these guys to these bad contracts? What do you mean? The team Who does. signs these guys? General managers? Yeah. Why don't they ever get shot at? What do you mean? They take. I think they take a lot of criticism. You don't? Wow. You think they get a lot of criticism? General hmm. managers? I think coaches and general managers are usually the – in today's day and age, they take, I think, more of the criticism than the players. Who ruins roster construction? General managers who sign bad contracts. Right. And who then, after they know it's not working, who do they blame? Who do they blame? The coach or the player. <laughs> All right, look, a coach gets fired, he's blaming the players and the GM. A player loses, he blames the coach and the GM. I mean, that's how it works. Are you best friends with more general managers and more coaches? Not best friends with any of them. That's the truth. I don't, no, I'm being serious about this. I have no problem criticizing. I've just, this whole time, I'm laughing about a contract with, with Michael Porter that to me is obviously a bad contract. I mean, it's obvious. This is a, and it's a decision that might end up derailing Denver's chances. It might not, but it might. That's how that's how tough it is. I have no problem saying that. I also look at this and I go, you know, there's also good moves that were made in there. I've I evaluated on the spectrum of there's some good, there's some bad, there's some very encouraging things that have happened, some very not so encouraging things that have happened uh, from the front office. So to me, I, same for the coaches. I feel the exact same way. If I talk about Michael Malone, 
He's done a lot of things really, really well. He's done some things that I think are not so well, uh, that have not gone so well. So to me, this is not an either or. To me, this is like you present all sides. The same guy that found Jokic, found Monte in the second round, signed those contracts, is the same guy that found Michael Porter and gave him that contract. I think they do a great job of finding players. I don't think they do a very good job at all of building a roster. I think that works and and works and manipulates itself together. I think think there's, (laughs) there's probably a lot of truth to that. If we go now, um, next guy, hang up the phone, listen to offers, or make the call, Will Barton. Make the call. He's the guy you would probably like to be off the roster next year. I'd like, to know what, piece. I'd like to know what I can get. Yeah. Okay. Or what what's available. Yes. I'd go as far as to say if Will Barton was on the roster next year, I think it'd be a pretty big failure. They need a guy that can play defense. He's redundant. You got Jamal, you got Monte, you got offensive players. You need some defensive guys, and his defense is the part that's fallen off the most to me. Uh, Austin Rivers, free agent. What's the three options? Hang up the phone, listen to offers, or make the call. Make the call. You want him off. I want better, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think Austin Rivers is a damn – I mean, if he fit – I think we were force-fitting him on this team. Interesting. I think Austin Rivers can fit on a really good team. But it didn't seem like it was that way this year as much as it was last year. Okay. Interesting. Monte Morris. I would listen to offers. I'd pick up the phone. You'd pick up the phone. You'd listen. You're not trying to trade him, but you have to listen if people are saying, hey, we'll give you this. And I think that's probably what he wants, too. Really? Interesting. Um, Bones I mean, I think Monte Morris is going to be that guy that someone's going to say, hey, you can start on this team. Yeah. I think Monte's also a guy, though, that – and I feel pretty confident this. He's a part of what the Denver has done. He's got two more years on his contract. Next year, I think it might be – you start to look, oh, it's last year my deal. If I can start, maybe I get a bigger contract. I think next year – my hunch is he's a guy that wants to see this through. Like he feels a part of what's happened and would like to see it. Through. Okay. I think Adam, you should go talk to Bill Belichick about that philosophy. Why? You're basically saying that's wait a year and it might be a year too long. And Belichick has always said, make the trade a year too early before it's a year too long. That's a criticism of the Nuggets front office, I think, is fair. That's happened a few times. Oh, a few times, about every year. I mean, Barton, I think. You could say Malik Beasley, for sure. Um, Paul Millsap, you could probably say. You can go back with the guys from Spain. Hernan Gomez, yeah. Herman and Gomez. We we, we got got one every year. Yeah, definitely, you're you're not wrong about that. Uh, Bones Highland. Pick up the phone. You're making the call. Or no, you're listening. You're just listening. I'm listening. Offers. Okay. The right deal comes around. He's DeMarcus Cousins. That's an interesting one. I kind of like DeMarcus a little bit. Uh, I pick up the phone. Okay. You listen to offers there. Uh, Jeff Green. Pick up. I make the phone call. Wow. <laughs> He's a veteran, coach. But you can get that guy. That guy's out there. Okay. 
there's five of those guys out there. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. So, all right. The guys that are pivot points, like Barton, I think, to me, I, I would be surprised if Will Barton was back. Monte and Bones are the interesting ones. I just – is it a mistake? If Denver has Jamal Murray, Bones Highland, and Monte Morris all on the roster, and then let's just say they have defenders, a, a shooting guard defender, and they've got a small forward de defender on the roster, that play. Is that a mistake, having those three guys? Murray, Bones, and Monte. Monte. Is that too much of the same thing? I, 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 that's a tough one, but I'd probably say yes. Okay. I think it's a tough one as well. And I would say no, but I, I could be persuaded either direction on that one. I, there is a lot of overlap and you're really missing some defense. It probably, it probably depends on who that fourth guard in your rotation is. And if they are, are they an elite defender? If you had an elite defender there, I think you can make the combinations work of those guys. If you don't, if you just have a good defender, then you probably don't have enough defense in your backcourt. That that'd be my take. You're not you're you're not addressing your number one priority. Perimeter defense. I think so. I agree. I agree. Um, well, coach, that does it. We were going to go around the association or go around the NBA, but we'll have to save that for another uh, our next show. I saw some people in here. Actually, we have one super chat we can get to here in a second. But I saw somebody asking about uh, Andre Miller. They had an Andre Miller question. Maybe appearing on the show this summer, this time. Like we got to get back to doing some of these legend series. I can't wait for. And Andre Miller's high on the list. We do have a question here from Daniel Pressman. He says, Andre, Andre Miller is one of my favorite point guards of all time. Curious to hear if Coach Carl has any funny memories of their time together. Um, must be a new listener, Coach, because I feel like we talk about Andre Miller a lot. One of my favorite nuggets of all time. Andre Miller is one of the greatest passers ever to play in this game. His instincts to pass the basketball just don't, aren't out there. They're in the Nash category. They're in the... Stockton category. They're in the mat. I mean, Andre Miller felt the game, saw the game, and played the game with a basketball IQ that very, very few players have ever shown in the NBA. Yeah. Hopefully we get him on, man. I can't wait uh, to, to get to talk to him. He's easily one of my five favorite nuggets. He might be my second favorite nugget of all time. He's he's way up there for me. So, Coach, thank you so much for this hour. This is the insight, the criticisms, all of it. I always appreciate all of it. Always love talking hoops with you. Um, we'll Adam, see you again here in a week. Adam, words don't matter. Actions and attitude matter. Uh, there's no question about it. I will say this. The nuggets are on the clock. Like they, there's, this is a, there's no, there's wiggle room for us to have differing perspectives, in my opinion, over the last three seasons. What did it mean, the bubble? What did it mean this last year? And Adam, come on, man. Adam, hey, we can, what I'm up. saying, what you're I'm saying is, you're up again, man. I'm saying we can disagree. What we you're seeing in the game of basketball right now is NBA playoffs, the yeah. home and the home and away problem. You don't want to lose because you got to go up there and win. And that didn't exist in the bubble. <laughs> we again we could spend too much time on this they're the clippers there there are teams out there that had bad injury runs and they used this year as a sort of gap year denver's not the only one but going forward there's no more wiggle room it's clear as day denver needs to win a championship next year and everything they do they need to do it and if they don't do it next year the same pressure should be on them the year after that whatever it takes you have to treat it as your last chance because it might be at any moment here so 
I, we're, we have been disaligned in years past. I think we're much more aligned from this point going forward. That's just my perspective on it. But um, George, thanks a lot for, for the hour. We'll, we'll argue next week. I can't wait. We'll, get, we'll put the gloves back on. We'll hop back in the ring and we'll argue again. Everybody else, I'm going to be over there with the DNVR Nuggets crew here in five minutes as we break down all the rest of the news and notes from today's exit interviews. We'll see you guys then.